Time to have a look at what is termed the behavioral gap, meaning uh, what is the cost of responding to your emotions when it comes to investing? And that's because emotions get in the way of investing. It can lead to a shortfall in returns as an investor can earn. And this is an example of how behavior can get in the way of investors reaching their long-term investment goals. To talk to us a little bit more about all of this, we're joined by Salim Sunday, who is the head of retail distribution at Alan Gray. Salim, thank you so much for your time this evening. I mean, when it comes to emotions and investing, does that mean that we're our own worst enemy at the best of times? I think that's true. I mean, uh, also good evening, uh, all the listeners. And I think, I mean, the foundation of investing is it is emotional. We're dealing with money. It's just the effect of life. And different people respond uh, differently when it comes to how they deal with their finances, you know. So um, the behavior, the behavior impact on investment returns is not a new phenomenon. It's something that we've seen, uh, and there's lots of good research on this. And often uh, we are our own worst enemy when it comes to dealing with our finances and making exactly uh, the wrong decision at the time when we're supposed to be making a different decision that would be better for us. So I mentioned in my intro that we're going to be talking about the behavior gap. So tell me more about it and why is it common? So the behavior gap, um, if I can summarize the behavior gap simply, it's it's the difference in returns that the investor would have received um, if they hadn't made a different decision uh, than the original course of action. So as an example, um, the... Uh, you, so at COVID, we all know the stock markets um, took a dive. Stock, stock markets, stock market returns were terrible because of what happened with COVID. Stock markets fell to extreme levels. Okay? And so at that exact point in time, the market was an extreme low. Lots of investors would have felt quite fearful um, that the markets would never recover. And so at that exact point in time, they would have switched their investments from, I would say, like an equity type, like shares, into money market. And we all know what happened post-COVID. Uh, the equity market had some of the best returns in um, long time. And so the investors switched into money market. They didn't enjoy all of the upside, but they did have to suffer all the downside because the markets tanked. And then they switched uh, to a safer investment in their view. And the difference between that return they they had and the return would have enjoyed if they hadn't done anything, that I would say is the uh, behavior gap. It's the it's it's, it's the it's the behavior dividend that the cost that you paid for switching at exactly the wrong time. So you know what's quite interesting. If our listeners, uh, if you could show them like a screen, like a sort of an, uh, a graph, a graph rather, in terms of how you illustrate these examples, is that you use two uh, particular um, funds. You use the use the Allen Gray Balanced Fund and the Allen Gray Money Market Fund to sort of illustrate this example and these scenarios on how this thing plays out. Before we we talk a little bit about it, can you explain the difference between what the balanced fund does and what the money market fund does? Because you mentioned yeah. money market there. Yeah, exactly. So, in terms, what the balanced fund does is 
balance fund is a is a is a, is an investment vehicle. It's a unit trust. It's a registered regulated vehicle uh, in South Africa and uh, fund at, at Allen Gray. And our balance invests into a, a, a basket of diversified assets and so it invests into shares. It can invest into money fixed instruments. It can invest some offshore shares. It can invest into some corporate bonds and some government bonds. So effectively, it's a basket of diversified assets. And those assets um, uh, are managed by portfolio managers at Allen Gray. And money market, on the other hand, is, is basically a very safe investment that doesn't fluctuate uh, much. And the return is, is, is a very narrow range of returns, whereas the return on a balance fund, because it's got less risky and more risky investment in, it would have a much wider range of returns that you would be able to enjoy. So that's the difference in terms of the risk profile of those two uh, different investment vehicles. Okay, so say we have three scenarios, right? In the first scenario, I'm an investor who is in the balanced fund. And in the second one, as uh, another investor who is in the money market fund. And then perhaps say in the third scenario, we have someone who is switching between the funds as we react to our emotions and that market volatility that you spoke about, particularly say... If we go back to the pandemic in March 2020 and even say Russia's invasion of Ukraine, what do you see there when it comes to the outcomes of how we perform? So then a simple example would be, uh, so we've got two investors. We've got a money market investor and we've got a a balance fund investor. And they both invested like uh, hypothetically a thousand rand into the investment. I'm going to simplify things for the business. And so the, the balance fund return uh, returned a return of, of, of uh, uh, say, 10% annualized over five years, and I'm going to be simplistic here. So that investment has gone up by 50% over, over five years, and so that 1,000 rand is now worth uh, 1,500 rand, and the money market investment did about a 5% return, and so it's kind of half of uh, the, the, the return of a balance fund, and the balance fund then corrected, and the balance fund fell by, uh, say, 20%, and so that return went down by 20%. The money market fell by less. But then subsequent, after the invasion of Ukraine or, or COVID, the, money, the, the balance fund return, returned 20% return, but the money market would only return like a 5% return. So the difference in that return would be substantial between uh, what you would have enjoyed in terms of um, enjoying the upside of the market's recovery uh, if you remain invested, there's a money market investor would have only enjoyed about a 5% return throughout that period. So there's a huge difference. And I, and I think what we've seen at Alan Gray is uh, there's one thing that you can always depend on in an investment universe is fear and greed. So when, when people are fearful, they tend to make uh, decisions for themselves that are not always in their best interest because of the emotional roller coaster that it introduces into your decision making and then when investors at the same time markets have gone up too much and they're too greedy then markets correct to the downside so again our emotional bias is, is, is amazing when we're thinking about investing and so the best strategy to think about investing is really to have a long-term strategy uh, and not think about um, manipulating markets for short-term gains and so don't try and trade in the short term but rather take a long-term view 
because markets do go up and down. And for most investors, um, they often need to meet their investment objectives and goals. They need to be invested in, in, in instruments uh, other than money market. The money market has got a, 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 a good place. And it's and it and it's and it's got a um, get to fulfill a purpose, but often if you're saving for retirement and for longer dated goals, you need to take some more risk and invest into equity tax. So I feel like you've also just given us some of the wrong reasons for people to switch. And then let's talk about when should an investor consider switching. So again, hypothetically speaking, if you invested into a pension fund. And uh, there's a life event, and not so that someone, hypothetically speaking, uh, a life-threatening illness, uh, and uh, you had your pension for 30 or 40 years, and you're really concerned about um, a market correction, and all you want to preserve all the capital that you've accumulated over your working life, that might be a good time to then switch to a safer um, uh, investment and a, a money market. Or, in, or, or an instrument that uh, has much less risk uh, than a balanced fund or a diversified portfolio. So that might be a very good reason to switch. I wanted so to, uh, you, yeah. No, okay. please do, con, uh, you know, do finish your point. Yeah, if you were close to retirement and the market corrected, you would have locked in most of your losses. That's the point. And you wouldn't have enough time in your working life to make that up. We spoke about, uh, you know, people switching as a result of uh, market volatility. In your experience, have you seen people switch as a result of, and I'm going to use what the cool kids call FOMO, which is the fear of missing out because uh, maybe a particular trend is taking off and the returns look pretty great. In fact, they may have been performing well and you feel like you've you know, the boat has missed you and you're trying to play catch up. Are you, do you see that in your experience where people are trying to catch up to something that's happening right now? Yeah, I think we see that not only in investing, but we've seen it with lots of other stuff. We've seen it with crypto. We've seen it with NFTs. Uh, and so, uh, people catch on to a trend um, and the trend becomes extremely fashionable. As the trend becomes fashionable, the prices increase and increase and increase and they continue to increase. By the time the last investor, uh, last friend has jumped onto the bandwagon, by that time, uh, the, what was fashionable is not so fashionable anymore. And, and, and it all crashed down to crypto uh, over and over again. And we've seen it with NFTs as well. I mean, those are only the two examples that are outside. You know, the idea of staying invested, one of the things I've learned is that uh, it allows you to reap the rewards of compound interest. Um, do you get a sense that the idea of the compounding effect is uh, reaching uh, investors or potential investors, or we still need to do a little bit more work in helping people understand the, the, the power of uh, the compounding effect? I think compounding is, is something that if 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 you've got discipline and you've been investing for a long time and you've seen the rewards of compounding, it, it, becomes, uh, it becomes quite, it quite quickly can solidify that in your behavior and it becomes like a self-fulfilling thing. Where people have never experienced the, comp- the power of compounding, uh, that becomes increasingly more difficult. And if you tease that off against people chasing pens and, 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 and uh, we live in a world of instant gratification, uh, people... 
40 years is a really long time when people are thinking about it. So I do think there's a lot more education that needs to be And I think uh, people need the exposure of compounding and people. And, and, and that's why I encourage people to, to chat and to chat to friends that have been invested into corporations for a really long time to understand um, how that's worked out for them. Because I think there's no better um, education than actually talking to someone who said how they benefited from the power of compounding. Because we all can do the numbers on the spreadsheet, but if someone actually says this is how it's worked for them, that's quite powerful. But I think there is still a lot of work that needs to be done. When it comes to managing emotions, especially when, uh, you know, there are dips in the market and negative sentiment, a lot of it sounds a lot easier said than done. Talk to me about the role a financial advisor can play in this in helping me to improve my outcomes, but also, I suppose, helping me uh, when I feel like I want to start switching or I'm being affected by what's going on outside. Yeah, and I think a financial advisor can help a lot. And I think uh, there's lots of good research to show that uh, people who have financial advisors often have better financial outcomes. I think more than the better financial outcomes itself is that what a financial advisor can really add value is to be your, your financial coach to guide you through attaining your life goals, to talk a little bit about what the long-term vision is, uh, are you going to attain that, and set you off on a path and then uh, hold up the mirror to yourself to say, are you following uh, the agreed plan that we put in place and, and, and to make sure that we check in regularly and that we are practically those goals? I think that's a very, very important thing. And because not everybody can be as honest with themselves around long-term financial. Right. Um, Salim, thank you so much for joining us this evening. That is Salim Sunday, who's the head of retail distribution at Allen Gray, talking to us about what is called the behavioral gap. You missed it live. Catch the broadcast on Kaya959.co.za.